Hey, Stuart. Thanks for joining me. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. So I've wanted to have a conversation like this for a while, and none of my, most of my homosexual friends wouldn't talk publicly about their views that differ from sort of many mainstream views, I guess. Um, so first, for anyone who's new to, I'll let you introduce yourself as a homosexual man, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. What's the, what's the. Um, boy, do I, do I need credentials? What, I'm not sure what the. Well, um, yeah. well, that's an interesting starting point, actually. If you and I were two straight, cis, white men, would we be allowed to talk about homosexuality at all? That's an interesting question. What are your thoughts on that topic? I think that we would be uh, looked down upon quite a bit for trying to have that con any conversation about that. Um, and, you know, with some reason, because uh, there's been a lot of people over the years pontificating based on zero personal knowledge. So, you know, it is important, I think, to listen to people that actually know something about the subject that have lived, you know, the but relevant so, experience. So then how does it feel on the other end? Like you and I just wanna talk about a topic that's important to us, but one or both of us has to sort of establish our credentials. So you almost have to lead with your sexuality in order to talk about something you care about. How do you feel that that's sort of a requirement? Because it's not like you traditionally go, I'm assuming, hey, I'm gay, my name's Stuart. Um, but it's almost like you have to do that now. Um, when talking about this topic, I think, I think you really do at this point. I didn't always. I mean, when I first... Uh, was involved with objectivism. This was back in the 80s. It was a very different time. And um, there would be frequent discussions about homosexuality. And I would talk about it, you know, in, a, in the abstract, you know, in a philosophical way without any mention of my personal life or personal experience. Um, but at some point, I, you know, times changed and I became a lot more comfortable in objectivist circles, uh, just being myself and realizing, you know, I, I do have experience that is relevant uh, as a homosexual. And if I'm gonna speak on that subject, I, I, I can't just approach it as, you know, this philosophically abstract thing. Mm. And, and so for people who don't know what objectivism is, it's Ayn Rand's philosophy and they can Google Ayn Rand to learn more about her. Um, but that's sort of one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you in particular is because basically my gay friends are in two camps. There's the rational ones who don't talk about this publicly and the ones who yell about it on social media and have very different views than I have. Um, and it's interesting because like, for example, once I put something out about the Toronto Gay Pride Parade, and a few people told me I was like a homophobe. How could I possibly put this out? And so I was like, oh, I like that surprises me. So I asked some of my other more, in my judgment, rational gay friends, and they thought it was fine. And um, so I, I, I like, I appreciate that you're willing to talk to me because for some reason, uh, you know, there certain, su su some of my homosexual friends with like many people, I suppose, don't want to be public about their views that oppose, can we call it the, the mainstream gay view? Is that the right way to think about it? 
Um, yeah, I think so. I think there there is such a thing. Yeah. And so how how do you view yourself with respect to that? Let's say I'm I'm interested in how you view the sort of social and potentially political scene within the, as someone within the gay community. It's it's hard because I I mean I am within the gay community. I'm a, a filmmaker, and most of my films have gay content. I've played at, you know, dozens and dozens of gay festivals. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm definitely part of the community, but I, you know, I don't share most of their politics and I have concerns about a lot of the, I guess you'd call it the culture in, of, of gay life. Mm. Um, I think it's not, I, I think that gay people living their lives are every bit as diverse as anyone else. And you don't see that fact represented very often in gay media and gay, you know, the, the, people have this image that is promoted by the gay media and others that, you know, the gay life is a certain way. Mm. Um, and it is for some and it isn't for others. It's, it, you know, just like there's no such thing as the straight lifestyle. Yeah. And so I'm interested, why do you think, because it seems to me that almost the people who more actively and outwardly embrace the stereotypes also have more of the political power or sway. So I, I don't know if that's the right way to formulate it, but like when I think of my gay friends, only one fits the sort of stereotype, not in terms of like, let's call it flamboyance or anything like that, but of the kind of negative stereotypes of the like left-wing hedonistic gay community. If we're right. like, gonna throw out a bunch of jargon, right? Like he's, he's not politically that way, but like that's his lifestyle, right? right. That's his choice. And that's sort of still the stereotype when I think of homosexuals is like, Pride parade, dancing, flamboyant out there, um, promiscuity, like those are the words I still associate with the community as a whole. But he's one of like, I don't know, 20, 30 gay friends who actually lives that lifestyle. But that's what I hear about. And then also for some reason, when I interact with you know the Twitter verse, somehow the messaging is connected to that, it seems. Am I what's your view? Because I could just be way off base, but that's my current thinking on, on the issue. No, I don't think you're off base. Um, that's what I was talking about. You know, if you pick up a, uh, I, I'm not sure what magazines there are up there, but, and of course now uh, a lot of them have gone out of business, but you know, there, there are these, uh, you know, gay papers and, you know, if you pick them up, you get the impression that, you know, everyone is obsessed. Every gay man is obsessed with the gym and with you know parties and drugs and all that. And virtually none of the gay people I know fit that. But there, I mean, there are people obviously like your friend and they are out there and they, you know, I, I have no idea what percentage they are. They, they are real. I mean, it's not like, you know, they just got made up. Um, but I, like I said, they're not, they're not the people that I, am involved with in, in my life really. And uh, it, it's just bizarre to me that that's even in, in you know, it's, it's one thing for outside of the gay world, that's what people see. Cause you know, uh, 
we parades, you know, flamboyance captures the media's attention. I get that. Mm. But even just within the community, that's very much what is often represented. And why? Why is that the case? Do you have any theories? Um, I'm really not sure. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, youth and, you know, pretty people sells magazines and sells newspapers. Uh, so, you know, that to, to some extent, you know, nobody wants to, you know, pick up a magazine and, and have, a, you know, a dumpy middle-aged guy <laughs> who's living his life on the cover. I mean, we all, we all like to look at pretty people with abs. And so I think that that's part of it is that it's just, it's, it's what sells. It's the same reason that, uh, you know, women are confronted with this incredible ideal of feminine beauty in every magazine. Um, it's not that, you know, most women can achieve that or most women even care about all that. It's just, that's, that's what sells. Right. Um, and so shifting gears then from what sells to what, let's say, maybe doesn't sell, I'm interested in knowing more about you and your experience as a gay man with the worst uh, transition of <laughs> ever. But because I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm of two minds. Part of me wants to continue down the sort of like, should we analyze the social situation setting, right? But then mm -hmm. also I'm interested, well, part of my whole shtick, so to speak, is we need to sort of understand the other people, let's say right? Because I'm interested in establishing you and, and anyone else I'm talking to as like thoughtful people who should be included in their views, right? Like, or yeah. whose views should be included. And so it's also important to sort of understand the experience that goes with your credential as being a homosexual, right? Um, so why don't you tell me a bit, if you don't mind, about your experience and how it, you know, both sort of generally um, and then with respect to sort of the climate, let's say. Well, I, I never fit in, I mean, in the gay world. I, um, for whatever reason, I, I was always, uh, well, probably partly because I, I discovered uh, Ayn Rand's philosophy very young. And so I had this ideal of uh, romantic love and I was looking for someone that I could really connect with on a deep level. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of my peers were going to bars and having one night stands. And I had, you know, very little interest in alcohol. It, you know, I didn't really want to dull my mind. And I, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, on one level, we all find, you know, the thought, of, the fantasy of, oh, you know, you meet a, an attractive person and you go home. And, but the couple of times I tried it, it was so incredibly unfulfilling and so not the fantasy yeah. um, that I, you know, and the thing is, I talked to other gay men who had the exact same experience. And yet, for whatever reason, they just kept doing it, kept trying it. It's like, uh, and because it was so unfulfilling, they they would need to dull their senses with alcohol and drugs, and you know they would just kind of fall into this pattern of of, of doing this over and over. And then, you know, they would lament that oh, you know, I, I I can't find a boyfriend. It's like, well, 
you know, you're, you're going out, you're getting drunk, you're getting high and you're going home with total strangers, you know, how, how would you find a boyfriend doing that? Right. So, um, I, so I never fell into that. I did, I just, it just never made sense to me. That's really interesting. Cause that was, I had a very similar experience in hetero relationships. Like I was sort of more of a womanizer type in university and I was always confused because I wanted a girlfriend. I was chasing a girlfriend by being a womanizer. And then I'd get some girls and they, it wouldn't have been a good relationship. Right. And, and so it was very bizarre, but I, that was, it was like almost the only way I knew to chase it. Right. Like, so yeah. I, Oh, I just, I didn't do it well enough or like that just wasn't a catch or whatever it was like, keep fishing. Keep, you got to I got to find even more. Cause one yeah. of them I'll, I'll hit the lottery eventually. Right. right. It was like almost like that. And you know, it, it does sometimes work for people. I know a few, uh, you know, long-term couples, people that guys that have been married for 30 years and they met in a bathhouse. It's like, okay, well, you know, I, I guess it can happen. I, <laughs> I couldn't imagine it, you know, right. but. And so it definitely like, I think it's come up sort of, um, my question is around sort of the, the sex culture, I guess. And like Grinder comes to mind in particular. I read, a, mm -hmm. I read an article, I don't know if it was a study or just an article a while ago about like the mental health implications of it. Cause you know, I know when just I was sort of, let's say sex obsessed, cause the, the stereotype is that men are more sex obsessed than women, right? Mm -hmm. And just when I was, um, it was miserable. And then I hear about some gay friends who it's like, you can get sex any minute you want it. Grinder can tell you there's someone looking to do a certain act with you or to you within 400 meters. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty insane to me, actually. And I can only imagine that's just horrible for people. Like, I, I can't imagine that's healthy. I'm sure it's a tool. It could be used appropriately if people are rational and fully know what they're doing. Um, it doesn't seem like that's the case. And it seems like the whole community is almost, or not the whole, like, you know, that aspect of the community, the prominent one that I think of, let's say, um, it doesn't seem like it's a good situation. I agree. I, uh, I've never used Grindr. I, um, I, I have been involved with my current partner for over 10 years. And I don't think Grindr, if Grindr goes back that far anyway, I didn't know about it. Um, so I, I, I'm too old, I guess. I, I miss that. But, well, my partner and I met on um, OkCupid, which I think is still a thing. Yeah. But at that time, anyway, it wasn't just a sex hookup thing. It was, it was really a dating site. And, and that's what I was on it for, not for not looking to hook up. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think very few people can utilize that tool rationally and not end up really, I don't want to say be victimized because it's, but well, it's fall like into that trap that I mentioned of, of you know, just constantly chasing sex when what you really want is a relationship. And it's, yeah. you know. And to me, it seems like, you know, so sex is a very, uh, powerful drug, so to speak. And so is social media, yeah. perhaps 
like it's and it's a designed and targeted drug. And so to have both um, pointed at people seems like a very uh, dangerous game to be playing, let's say, right? I think so. Engaged in it properly. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think that it's dangerous, both emotionally and just in reality. I mean, I, it's rare, but it happens. People get robbed and raped and, you know, I mean, there've been murders over Mm -hmm. Grindr. I mean, just the idea that you, that it's a good idea to go to a complete stranger or to have a complete stranger come to your house when you know nothing about them except that they're hot or that they, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I guess I'm a little conservative that way, but uh, yeah, I I don't really want total strangers showing up in my house and coming in. Right. And so this leads to an interesting sort of, uh, because one, one stereotype that might that some people might think is, oh, this is how gay people are, right? That's, I think that was a common one sort of when the gay community was first um, coming out, right? Yeah. Like, oh, gay people are more sex crazed or um, yeah. gay men in particular or anything like that. And so how do we like reconcile this? Cause obviously it's not everyone but it seems to be a more sizable portion than like it's- Well, it's, yeah. What I've heard, and I think there's some truth to this, is that it's it's not that gay men are more sexual. It's that men are are more sexual, par- partly because of culture, but it's it's certainly more acceptable for men to be to be very sexual. And without the barrier of women withholding or being less easy about the sex, when both parties are just really about the sex, then you get the grinder hookup culture. Do you, do you think it's, cause I, I definitely agree that in my experience, the men I know are more sex driven than the women, but you know, there's also a theory out there that that's part of our socialization, right? Like yeah. I, I was very much social, like, you know, I don't, I can't know the control mechanism of one versus the other, but right. I was told like movies and like, I was very receptive to messaging as a child and I was obsessed. I was told to be obsessed. So I was yeah. right. Um, and we can't solve that, but it's, um, I don't know, it's an interesting problem. And then if that's true, that feedback loop could be even worse in the gay community. I think I think so, and I don't think it's all just culture. I mean, I I'm not, uh, you know, one of these people that, uh, I, I, I you know, I think there's some problems in evolutionary biology as a as a field, but I do think, um, you know, there are some biological reasons why men would be more promiscuous than women. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I, I haven't studied it in depth, but I you know I think there may be something there. Um, that said, I do know, you know, many, you know, women that are very sexual, very, you know, have very high sex drive. Um, but I think there's, I mean, certainly the culture has not supported that the way it has for men. Mm. Um, so now I want to kind of turn the page a bit and, and ask you what issues you think are the most important to talk about as either the gay community, like if you were to lead the movement of, hey, 
like people who care about this community, we really need to get our shit together because there's young children, like there's young gay kids who are going to be down a wrong path or whatever it is, or the, the, you know, the culture more broadly, because two things, one, here I am the straight man choosing the topics to talk about in the gay community. And uh, two, um, I forget the other point because I got self-obsessed about the self-obsession <laughs> point. But um, yeah, so like, what do you think is important to talk about? Oh, because I was also basing it sort of on the stereotype still, right? Right. Um, I, I can only ask the questions based on my view of the issues, right? Projecting. So yeah, um, yeah what, well, what should we talk about? Well, I think... I think it's important to understand that that things are changing and evolving very quickly. But even now, you know, young gay people don't have the same sort of coming of age dating culture that, that most straight people have. So, you know, straight people have this expectation of, um, yeah, you know, the, the guy's going to go for sex and all, but still there's, you know, you, you meet a, a girl, you, you know, you go, you ask her out, you go to a dance, you know, whatever there, I, that may be completely outdated at this point, but still it's not all Ride about sex. Club at 16. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know, so in the past gay men, I think have had kind of this thwarted adolescence or thwarted development um, so that when they do finally, you know, embrace their sexuality and come out, there tends to be this, I would say, a bit of an overreaction or, or you know, and especially with uh, Grindr and, and the availability of, of sex, um, I, th I think what needs to happen is there needs to be more of a culture of, of dating and of getting to know other gay people and in a non-sexual way. And, and yeah, I mean, I think it's, like I said, I think it's evolving. I think it's, it's already a lot better than it was. Um, but I, I think part of the problem too, is that even, you know, in the straight community, there's not, you know, there's still a lot of sex negativity. There's st still, you know, a, a big difference in, uh, you know, a, a guy who's promiscuous versus a woman who's promiscuous in terms of how they're perceived. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, all of that needs to evolve and, and is evolving, but. Um, um, do you think it would be better to direct the conversation more towards sort of the environment for kids or the environment uh, for adults right now? Cause like they're hmm. sort of different issues and. Definitely. Um, yeah. especially for something like sex it's hard for me to know which one to focus on um and so what what do you think because out of any subgroup i can think of the adult male gay community is one that definitely needs to think about things and work through things a bit yeah but that being said it also applies like i that's why i care about sex so much as a topic is because I don't want anyone to go through what I went through um, dealing with sex. Like it was miserable. Um, and I know a lot of people with similar experiences to that, but that's very sort of kid focused. And I'm almost sort of not dismissive because I want us to talk about it more broadly as well. But 
that sort of a focus. And, and I think it's more potent maybe um, in, the, in the gay community discussion, uh, maybe. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it is important to give gay men permission to not have everything be about sex. You know, I think the, yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, the biological push, we all have needs. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, judging from myself and certainly a lot of the men that I know, you know, sex is certainly important, but that's not ultimately what they're looking for. It's just, they don't know how to find what they're looking for or, or what they're looking for seems unattainable. And so they fall back on, on what they know, which is easy sex. So, so that's interesting because my, my list of prompts None of them had sex, actually. My prompts were your experiences as a gay man, gay stereotypes, the gay community, and SJW gay folks. But <laughs> it seems like just na either one of us or both of us, and it could have just been me, like that's sort of the natural way that the conversation trended um, when we were talking about the gay community. Obviously, it's related to sexuality, um, but do you think because of that, it's harder, like, if I ask your experiences as a gay man, are you going to just tell me about like, I don't know how many cats you have and like <laughs> stuff like that? Um, boy, you know, the weird thing is that I've been accused of, uh, you know, always bringing up my sexuality, like, you know, in, online and such. Um, that's a common accusation among straight people because if I, you know, if a gay person just mentions their husband or their partner, it's like, why are you throwing your sexuality in my face? It's like, I'm not, I was discussing what we did over the weekend, but you know, and it wasn't sex, it was a picnic or whatever it's, you know, but um, so yeah, I mean, my life is not at all about being gay. I mean, it's, you know, I have cats, yes, I love my cats, um, you know, I, my life is really probably not very different from somebody else, a straight person who's been in a marriage for 10 years. I mean, it's... And so it's interesting because what comes to mind now is that I, I would posit that the culture is actually more uncomfortable with gay love than gay sex. Because like, if I ask you to, to just tell me about your experience falling in love with your husband and it's like, because even in movies and, and I've not seen any of yours, I have to... Uh, and put it ah, shame on you okay. but uh <laughs> i've not seen just sort of casual movies like that either right and it's sort of i know this is a more like i've heard this discussion happen with respect to movies and stuff but it does seem like that's less comfortable for me to because even if i'm honest the idea of like a scene of two gay men having sex that's less uncomfortable in my mind than like two gay men's holding hands and being in the kitchen together Right, like it's just less normal in my mind. Really interesting. Yeah. Huh. I think. I don't know. I mean, I think uh, certainly uh, a lot of straight people are uncomfortable with with both, um, mm -hmm. and because there's almost like like a dismissiveness, right? And in the culture now, promiscuity is like at least for young people, it's sort of the common thing, and so. Yeah. Oh, like, you know, people are sleeping with whoever they're going to sleep with. And like, it doesn't matter. But then like love and marriage, that's like a different entity. And yeah. I don't hear many 
again, I don't hear many discussions about that generally in my age group, but definitely not uh, for like homosexual relationships. Hmm. I, you know, some of it I think is just, you know, what age people become, you know, people aren't thinking about marriage and such so much in their late twenties, you get around to late thirties and, and, you know, that, that is on people's minds often. Um, yeah, I'm not sure um, which is more uncomfortable to people, but I think, you know, I think the focus has always been on sex and, and you know, uh, people do have this ick factor with, with gay sex. But the reality is that, you know, no matter how sexual you are, you spend a small fraction of your life engaged in sex, you know, most of what, you know, you as a gay person are doing is, like you said, making dinner together in the kitchen and you're holding hands and you're watching a movie and, you know, it's, it's I guess not... that also doesn't sell magazines though. But exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, cause one thing that comes to mind actually, so I'm interested in how often you get asked this question and your view of that relative to uh, a straight person in your situation because when I think of celebrities and I think of like a woman or a man on like uh, Stephen Colbert or something I have a hard time remembering many I can think of one it was actually a very moving story but of them being asked about their same-sex relationship but like you know how many times have I heard John Krasinski talk about his wife um, right. right and like do you think that's like, is my assessment accurate? And I'm wondering if you see that reflected in how people interact with you, like asking you about things. Cause it seems like that's my hypothesis uh, about talk shows, let's say. Well, I mean, I think you are right, but I think that it's changing rapidly. Um, I, um, sort of a long story, but I, I, I ended up inheriting subscriptions to magazines I would never uh, have, uh, you know, bought on my own. I, so I get like Us Weekly and People Magazine. Uh, and I, you know, I remember when I first looked at those magazines back in whatever it was the seventies or eighties. And, you know, there was even the few out celebrities like, you know, Elton John or whatever, you know, there would be no mention of any non-heterosexual, you know. Right. Uh, or if, you know, if they did do a story that it was this, you know, Elton John comes out and it was, you know, this big deal and all, but there was nothing casual about mentioning or, you know, showing a same sex couple. And that has changed. I'm really, uh, or is changing, I should say, it's not like it's done. Um, but, you know, on the same page with, you know, ooh, celebrity sighting, you know, this couple, this cute couple, this cute couple, it's like, ooh, here's Neil Patrick Harris out with his husband and, you know, right. and not, you know, not in any way commenting on, oh, you know, look at this homosexual. It's just, this is a celebrity couple out and about New York City. And um, so I think that that is changing, but, uh, but yes, I, I mean, certainly, especially uh, years ago, um, you know, there would be a reluctance or I would perceive a reluctance for people to kind of ask about my partner or, you know, mm -hmm. to, it, it was not casual the way it would be, you know, if I had a wife. Um, but that, that has changed. I mean, that, that is definitely, or 
in my world anyway. I mean, I, I, I feel like that's changed. And so how would you assess the rate of change maybe? Like, cause there's this idea that, oh, we're, this is the worst the culture's ever been, how we're so miserable. I, I must have- Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm in this conversation. Um, yeah, um, in terms of how it is for gay people, um, it is so much better than it has ever been. Uh, and that doesn't mean that there aren't still hate crimes and there aren't still bigoted people out there, but it's, I mean, the progress has been really staggering and, and literally unimaginable. I mean, if you had asked me in 1990, you know, will you ever be able to, you know, to legally marry your partner? I would have said, well, you know, maybe if I live to be a hundred, yeah. I mean, it just, it did not seem like that was remotely on the horizon. I would have thought we'd have colonies on the moon before we had that. Really? Um, it just seemed like it was so crazy that, that uh, you know, you mean that the, the, the whole country, you know, it's like, well, I could imagine it would be legal in, you know, San Francisco or, you know, some there, maybe right. all of California, but the idea that the whole country that just seemed bizarre. It, yeah, it, that it, actually blows my mind because for me growing up, so I was born in 92 and, you know, gayness was sort of talked about vaguely in elementary school by high school that like, okay, everyone knew there was the one gay kid, right? Like there was one kid who was <laughs> sort of flamboyant and I think, I didn't know him personally, but I think he was like out. Yeah. And then in university, it was like normal all of a sudden. It was like in this weird, like quickly it changed from my perspective, but I never remember not accepting it. It was just something that wasn't talked about more so. Like it right. was a confusing thing. Yeah. Um, but but the, the fact that you would have thought it was like impossible almost, that's, that blows my mind actually. I, I didn't realize that. Absolutely, yeah. That's, and that's why you think, you know, the young people, um, God, I sound like an old man now, but, but, you know, people that complain about, oh, you know, we live in such a homophobic society. It's like, they have no idea. It's so, so much better. And so what do you think about the, cause yeah, the people who claim that are some of the loudest voices right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll take my privilege of being the host and say that I think that, um, it definitely weakens the cause, right? If you're always oh, yelling like that about how bad you have it and not acknowledging growth and attempts at change and this sort of thing, you're going to lose people off of your side and, and it potentially retrench people against you. Well, and, I think we've, uh, sorry, I think we've no, absolutely seen that happen with race. You know, um, there's no question there, you know, there's is still racism. There are still racist people. But if you act like it's worse now than it's ever been, it's like, um, yeah, you don't know your history and you've, it, you're just ridiculous. And yeah, people, people reject that. And, and oh, good. No, go ahead. <laughs> what about the idea that it's not perfect yet? Cause that's the, uh, like, I suppose there's some sort of perfection of no bigots anywhere. I don't know what the, the goal is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah, nothing is perfect anywhere. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not, that shouldn't be the goal. 
Um, I do think in terms of the legal system, you know, I, I'm not sure what else we need. I mean, I think we've, we've achieved the equity legally. Now that doesn't mean there aren't, you know, there might not be a bad judge somewhere in Alabama that's gonna, you know, do something wrong. But in terms of the, the you know, we have equal rights mostly. Um, so, and, and to pretend that things are still as bad as they were even 10 years ago. I mean, it's just, it's just not true. And like you said, it, it damages the cause because it, it makes it look like, well, these people are never going to be happy with anything. It's like they, they're, they're, they, they want something that's just not attainable. Right. And so I want to bring it sort of try and tie a bunch of threads together with the idea of the ick factor. Cause you said that, yeah, for some people there will always be, or there is an ick factor. And, you know, I'm interested in both your thoughts on that as a cultural thing and on an individual person's basis, because for some people, the fact that anyone might have an ick factor is like evidence that, you know, we're not there yet. And also, I don't know how to think about an individual who has an ick factor because I'm not, I'm not gay, but you know, if someone is turned off or says you about gay people, not even if they have some like claim to a religious reason or whatever, there was recently, like I watched a, a debate discussion, so to speak on this topic. And someone said, yeah, you know, it's an older gentleman gentleman. And they said, yeah, I think gay couples are kind of gross. Like gay sex is kind of gross. Is that a bad person? No, it's not a bad person, but I don't think I, I, I don't think it's necessary to express that kind of what, what's essentially an aesthetic opinion. It's like, you know, the, the thought of two old people having sex may kind of be, e, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that to them. It's not my business. My, you know, they, their sex life is their business. Um, yeah, we, you know, we all like to, see pretty people have sex or think about pretty people having sex. Um, but that doesn't, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know why you would go out of your way to say, well, you know, I don't want to see fat people having sex or I don't want, it's like, well, then don't watch it. But why, why say that if not to be hurtful? Right. And, and so what do you think about like that relative? I, I, we may have already covered it, but because some people would say, well, as long as there's one, one person who thinks ick, um, you know, that means we still have to fight the fight. I, I don't think so. I think, you know, we've seen massive change, not from fighting, but just from the evolution of culture. And, you know, the fact that now you turn on your TV and you see gay couples kissing on television, uh, often quite a bit more. I've, I'm amazed at, uh, how explicit, like, um, how to get away with murder and some of these other, you know, um, and you could argue maybe it's too much, but um, again, no one's forcing you to watch that show. If it's too much for you, don't watch it or, or yeah. fast forward through that section. Um, but uh, I think that, well, I, let me share an anecdote. One of my closest friends is a, is a straight guy and uh, he's an actor and I, um, you know, he's uh, been in several of my films and he's actually, you know, as an actor, kissed another man on film. And 
Um, but he, he told me that, you know, back when he was uh, in college or whatever, he saw, um, I don't know if you're old enough to remember a movie called uh, Making Love. It was one of the first, it was back in the 80s. It was a big breakthrough and it had, you know, a gay kiss in it that, you know, was really the first time in kind of a Hollywood movie that you saw two leading men kissing. And he said, you know, you know, I'm like the least homophobic straight guy in the world. But, you know, I had that moment of, oh, my God, that it was shocking. It was weird. It was, you know. But now, you know, all these years later, you know, he's like, yeah, doesn't, no ick factor, doesn't bother me, you know, still, you know, still isn't gay, still doesn't want to kiss any, you know, I mean, he's happy to do it for a role, but, you know, it's not what he does in his personal life. But, but, you know, some of it is just that it's, it's weird and unfamiliar, and then it's not once you've seen it a couple right. times. So I, I don't I, think you need to, like, march in the streets and yell at people about it. It's like... Right. I have two last questions. Sure. One is following up on, on that last point because I guess say, like it's kind of a trope, a gay man saying, I'm not a homophobe, but, and then like when you said that, um, my mind went, oh, he's not a homophobe because he has gay friends, right? Because like, again, some people think, no, if you have any sort of not fully accepting act reaction at all it's sign of maybe demons or like whatever it is um so that was just like a funny thing that came to mind in sort of response and i'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that sort of view of it um yeah i mean it's true that that's like that is a trope and you know you i've definitely experienced that you know i'm not i'm not i'm not a homophobe but you're going to hell <laughs> you know or something it's like okay, okay. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but the re reality is even people that are not homophobes, um, if you're, you know, if, if most of us, well, now you're a different generation, but people, my generation didn't grow up seeing that. And so it's, it's startling, it's unfamiliar and it may be uncomfortable at first. It doesn't, uh, you know, my friend never had, you know, a moment of thinking, oh, you know, what they're doing is wrong or, you know, it's just, it was, it was unfamiliar. Startling. It was startling. It was, yeah. it, you know. Okay. So my last question, and I, mm -hmm. I, my last question is, you mentioned like someone who has an aesthetic uh, lack of preference, because I can't think of the proper word for homosexuality or, or whatever it is, can still be a good person. Um, and we, we can't solve that whole thing and, and, you know, tackle that whole issue. But I'm interested, because, uh, you know, I struggle with this question myself, right? Like, um, and, and is that true? Like, I understand it's sort of an aesthetic thing. And obviously, if they're sort of pronouncing it, that's unnecessary. But, you know, aren't they sort of telling you that your sex act is disgusting or is it not quite that? I don't think it, it necessarily is. Um, again, I, a lot of the sex acts other people are doing aren't to my taste. Right. You know, I, I, I uh, people have all sorts of people have all, interests. exactly. Like, I mean, it, 
I don't get foot fetishes, you know, right. just not my thing. Think yeah. it's just, you know, but I don't, you know, people who have them, it's like, well, if it makes them happy. They're not hurting anyone. It's like, you know, I, I don't care. Um, but yeah, but I'm not gonna, you know, I don't, I don't really want to watch a, a video of someone sucking toes, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think that makes me a bigot. It's just right. uh, not, not what I'm into. So I, I think it, it can be the same thing. It's just, eh, it's not something I, I want to visualize, it's in, but you know, that's fine, you know, but, right. but again, the people who go out of their way to tell us about how disgusting they find it, that that's like, okay, what's the point of that? Right. You know, like I'm not, I'm not making social media posts about, you know, how disgusting foot fetishes are. It's like, you know, it's like, it, right. Why, why do you do that? No, that makes sense. Well, do you have any, any last thoughts on anything we talked about? Any, anything left floating at the edges of your thoughts? Um, I just hope I don't get completely canceled over <laughs> anything I said here. <laughs> Cause you're right. Some of the, uh, SJW gays can be very, very, uh, uh, intense. And, uh, <laughs> so, so that's really interesting. And hopefully we can talk about that specifically another time because, okay. um, like it's interesting that you as a homosexual man talking honestly about your views are more worried about being canceled by other homosexuals than, uh, I don't know, the Christians probably. Well, I mean, they already hate me. So yeah, it's like, I don't worry about them. Right. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much. This was, this was great. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.